You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech and, well, basically... Anything else that catches our eye, this is the Essential Apple Podcast. And joining me this week is Simon from the EssentialApple.com website again. How's your week been, Simon? What have you been up to in general? Uh, Well, to be honest, I've been pretty busy at work most of the time, to be honest. Uh, I have installed yet another uh, beta this time, uh, Sierra 10.0. 12.4 beta 4 uh, this time flawlessly i'm glad to say and without issue so that's been about it really oh uh, i've forgotten something sorry i've realized that there's been a bit of a breakthrough you've installed a beta and if i do this yes look at that i've got the same board working I have absolutely no idea how I've got it to work, but Wire, the rather excellent Skype alternative, now works with the same board. I've got no idea how I got it to work, but thankfully it's been a bit of trickery with loopback and Wire and same board, and it's all working. So that means now I've actually got to go and make my own same board clips. So, oh well, it works. It's working. It's brilliant. <laughs> Uh, what else? It's been a funny old week this week. Uh, what have what have we been what have I been up to? Well, today before we started this podcast, I went for a run with nothing more than finally my Apple Watch and those blinking AirPods. But it went, I would say, ninety five percent smoothly. And that's uh, it's the last five percent was because of the music situation. So. It's a whole thing about Strava and Apple Watch 2. It finally works. You can finally go for a run. However, there's a few little things that make me a bit nervous. So when you start the Strava app, it doesn't give you any indication of if it's locked onto a satellite or anything like that, which is a bit of a throwback to the old running devices where they always show you, oh, locked on, you can go now. So it's a big, big leap of faith just to know you can launch an app and away you go. But it seems to have done okay. It's tracked, I think, more or more or less the right distance at the right time that I've done, uh, only because it's the first time I've done this route. Um, The only sort of thing I've got feedback on it would be, he says, trying to go into the activity app while recording, is it doesn't actually tell you how many active calories you've burnt off, which is a bit of a nightmare. Although, when you go into... Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen Apple Health on the, or you've done a workout, but when you've done a workout, you click on it and it will give you all your stats like active calories, total calories, distance, time, average heart rate. Uh, I should be dead, by the way. (laughs) But it hasn't given me any active calories. Yeah, if I go back into the activity view, it says today I've moved, I've burnt off 683 out of my 400 calories. So. It's a partial win, I would say. I mean, to be honest, I'm just glad that my AirPods lasted. Well, that's good news, isn't it? 
The only one slight downer is that it's a bit picky to get music onto your uh, Apple Watch. Because you've got to go into the Watch app, which if I can get up on the screen, you go into the Watch app, then you scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, you go to music, then you go to sync music, and then you choose a playlist that you want to sync, and then it's on your watch. Now, I thought it had synced everything to my watch. I like Taylor Swift and Shake It Off, but I sort of don't like it when I've heard it for the fourth time in a row, because only half of my running list has uh, has transferred across. But, you know, it's not been too bad. It's a, a, a class is a success for now. The battery, the battery lifetime seemed to be all right as well. So I'm relatively happy with the world of Apple at the moment in a strange sense of uh, probably foreboding that something's going to go wrong today, like it did last week after we recorded the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, okay. <clears throat> there used to be a word for that kind of uh, portent, of feeling of portentous doom, but it escapes me now. I call it, it's bound to blink and happen. If something goes right, you can guarantee that right round the corner, something's going to come in... Some people call me a pessimist. I like to think of myself as a real-world sort of person. <laughs> oh, dear. It's Murphy's Law. Uh, yeah. Or, as the, as the uh, American general once said, don't worry, boys, they can't possibly hit us from... Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. So, Let's move on to something a bit yeah. more sensible. Well, we'll stick with the whole podcasting thing, because last week there was a bit of a nightmare where I lost almost lost half the show. And if it wasn't for the fact that you had a backup and I had two backups, it would would have been a disaster. So, well, I have to say thank you to Piezo for that because uh, I'm recording wire with Piezo. It wasn't perfect, but it was uh, a recording which had both of us on and we used that to salvage the show. So, yeah, that was handy. Um, I record. So what happens here, dear, dear listeners? I record locally. Simon records locally, and I also do a third recording, which sounds a bit daft, using Reaper. So Reaper is a digital audio workstation, and the only reason I really use that is so I can drop markers. So if I do something ridiculous with my chair, which probably isn't going to come across on the microphone, yeah, yeah I could hear it. Yeah. If I do that, then I can just knock it off and it just makes it a hell of a lot easier to go back and tidy things up rather than having to listen through at one speed, two speed. However, when it comes to uploading, it's proving to be a bit of a nightmare because I use opinion. An opinion is brilliant. If you want to do a podcast and you don't want any hassle, any faff, you want to get it into iTunes as simply as you can, opinion is a darn good program. However, if you don't reuse opinion to record your audio, you do what we do and record it locally, you've then got a bit of a battle on your hands because, so this week, to give you an example, Simon edited the audio. He then sends me the audio to Slack. Admittedly, we could have done this a better way um, moving forward. So then he's, I've got the audio. Now I need to get that audio from my Mac onto my phone. Now, I could use, I could go and find my cable, plug in my phone, but nope, I like to make things difficult. So I thought, right, you know what? I'll do an airdrop because I don't want the whole hassle of firing up iTunes just to sync a file. No, 
You fire, you fire that. So you fire, fire. Let's try that again. You send that file across via airdrop and it goes open in. Unfortunately, opinion is not one of the things you can open it in. So that then means you have to go in. If you do it my way, you then have to upload it to something like OneDrive, Dropbox, or Google Drive. You can't use Mega with Opinion, sadly. And then you have to download it again. Then it does its bit of compression on it. And then you have to upload it again. And that whole process takes ages, especially when you're like me. And for some reason whatsoever, my upload speed, although it's 75k, is absolutely horrendous. Now, admittedly, what we should have done and this is a very Trumpian thing to say what we should have done, is we should have just used something like a shared Dropbox account uh, to send the audio backwards and forwards. But it got me thinking this week about maybe changing podcast hosts. And this isn't to say that opinion has any major flaws. It's just that when you come to post a show, and in fact, this will actually be the artwork for the show, I think, you've got the most tacked-on sort of aspect to upload a show and put your show notes in ever. And so what I'm going to do this week is this show, if you go into the show notes, I'm going to paste it as is either using Mark. Yeah, I'm going to use HTML because it doesn't say if it supports uh, Markdown. And we'll see if it works or not. But we've been having a look at alternatives for podcast hosting. And it is a minefield. So if anyone out there has got any suggestions, other than the following, please let me know. Because we're looking at, so far, you've got Simplecast at $12.99 per month, which is basically unlimited everything, I think. You've got Fireside by Dan Benjamin, which is a whacking great big $19 per month. However, you do get quite a few stats and CDN type stuff. Podbean is $14, Libsyn is $15, and then you've got Burberry at $20. What were we going to go for? I don't know, but we are having a trial of Simplecast, or I might just go back to Opinion, because at the end of the day, yes, it's a pain in the ass to upload and download, but it's the power of being free. <laughs> There's a big draw to something being free. And Yeah, because this has been actually quite a good chat. I mean, I don't know if you were monitoring my Twitter timeline yesterday, but I was talking to Kyle, who's appeared on the show, And he's got a rather interesting way of doing his show because podcast hosting is basically website hosting without the website, but sort of, but yes, but no, but yes. The primary function is to host your file. And so when you send it, link to it via iTunes versus many, many ways, the file pulls down. You could run your own website, but then you've got to use WordPress and tie it all in. And then you've got to look at the podcast plugins that you can do and make sure you're not going to go over your bandwidth. Because if you're someone like GoDaddy, I can imagine you're going to get absolutely hammered on your bandwidth allowance. But Kyle has done a very interesting thing. So he uses, so he doesn't have a blog, but he does, but he doesn't. So he uses Simplecast for audio posting, uses Tumblr as a blog engine, and then they use their Patreon page and their subreddit to get their show known. So that's a that's a very interesting take that I might start looking at. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
but it is, isn't it? Quite surprising um, because I, you know, as I said to you, Mark, you know, explain to me the difference between a podcast host and a website host. And effectively, it would appear to be very little other than, you know, podcast hosts specialise in doing podcasts and take some of the back end drudgery off your hands. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Pretty much. But then I started digging around like you and you find that there's um like Podbean. Podbean seems to be the one that comes up when you when you uh, search as a big, you know, a big name, but then the one that comes up as the big name isn't always the best, is it? You know, for example, uh you search for domain name people and often you know GoDaddy and people like that will come up all the time and yep. I've heard some pretty horrific things about them. Um but Podbean comes up all the time. I mean, they have a starter pack for as little as $3 a month billed annually or $5 a month if you pay by the month, which uh, gets you a very small amount of storage um, and 100 gigabytes of bandwidth. Now, I've no idea if that's generous or measly, but uh, it's very much one man in his bedroom having a go, I think, uh, if he wanted to try it. Um, you know, taste, have a taster and see if you think you're actually going to ever carry on doing a podcast. But, uh, for $14 a month or $12 a month build annually, uh, they do offer what appears to be a pretty much all inclusive package. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's very much a mixed bag. And like I say, if anyone out there is thinking about doing their own podcast, you will not be going with opinion. Now, yes. The basic workaround is record your audio, do an edit, put it into OneDrive, download or iCloud or iTunes, flick it across to your phone, you push a button, you upload your artwork, put in a show title, put in a description, and away you go. It's the only, to be honest, I'm really happy with Opinion. It's just the upload screen. It's the world's smallest text box, and the text box doesn't expand or anything like that. So when you put in all your show notes and everything like that, you never know how it's going to look or how it comes out. And if you and anyone who's subscribed to the show will know that occasionally uh, there's double titles or double numbers because the box is really, really that small. You can't even literally scroll side to side. And it's all very minor. And again, you know, there's a lot to be said for the price of free. Very much. And I have to say, you know, let's we're not knocking opinion here. I think opinion is no. brilliant. But, you know, occasionally... Sometimes you have to think, is it worth a few quid, you know, to make life a little bit easier? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's something we're going to have to come to a decision on, isn't it? Is it worth my sanity to have a file that I can upload? But then when we're looking for alternative hosting, I do need to be able to upload files when I'm out and about, because I've done I've done this loads of times, because again, another great app that we'll keep mentioning is Ferrite. Sometimes I'll just be sat on the sofa. I don't want to get up, move to the Mac, transfer the files. And Ferrite's got one really nice option where if you want to do your recording and you get different levels, different peaks, and you want to level it all off, you can actually now fire it across to Orphonic, which is a web-based service, which does all the compression, all the leveling, takes out the background, hum, noise, hiss, clicks, and makes it about 16 decibels, which is a power, or 16 luffs, or wh- whatever it is, which is the right uh, noise level, the right volume. And then 
if you've got Orphonics set up right, that will then automatically post your files to back to Google Drive or OneDrive. So you've got a really nice round trip. So you can go from Ferrite to Orphonic to your online cloud storage provider, which you can then download in Opinion. But then you still come back to the fact that when you have to edit the show notes, it's bloody fiddly. <laughs> yeah. Well. But we'll give it a go this week. We're going to put the full show notes in. Yep. Okay. And we'll go from there. Well, that's 20. And that's, we have actually comfort, covered something almost Apple related because last week's show, which is the show that I just put up today, so this one has to be delayed. I don't actually think we covered much in the way of Apple, but oh well, hey ho. <laughs> well, sometimes there's not a lot going on in the world of Apple, is there? I mean, at the minute, there's mostly still endless iPhone 8 rumors, which, you know, is really tiresome. Yeah, I'm so not interested in any rumour because it's just the same words being rewritten and sources familiar with the matter because oh one day one day I will sit down and I'm going to follow Ming Kuo Chi and all he said and see right let's see how accurate he really is rather than everyone writing oh he's had a really good hit rate well I think the other thing is if you if you look at the rumours at the moment I've read rumours you know, the iPhone 8 will be coming out earlier than usual, so it could be here any day soon. To it's been delayed and it's not going to ship until November, right? It's going to be bendy, it's going to be tw- you know, you can fold it in half, it's going to be made out of glass, so you can't bend it. It's gonna, it, it, there's every rumor under the sun, so it's a bit like if you chuck enough spaghetti at the wall, some of it's going to stick, you know what I mean. <laughs> So it's it's crazy, you know, it's going to be bendy, it's going to be glass, it's going to be early, it's going to be late. It's, oh, it's just so tiresome, really. Just wait, guys. Yep. You know, the crew will come out on stage and tell us what it's going to be like. And then there's all this thing about, well, there's going to be a 7S and a 7 Plus S, and then there's, there's going to be this Super Pro slash Extreme slash, and that's, Oh, really? Just why not just wait until the boys come out and tell us what they've done? Well, they really? apparently, yeah, apparently now there's going to be a pro iPhone eight, and then two not so pro iPhone eight. But we'll cover that. We might do a rumor show next week. We'll just look at all the rumors and just go through them, just so we can get it all out of our system. Get it off our chest. Coming back more closer to home. McDonald's and Apple Pay have been in the news. I kid you not. This is all because now in the UK, we've just had an increase on on the laws of what happens if you're caught using your phone whilst you're driving. Now, yes, you shouldn't be doing it. It's wrong, 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 it's wrong, wrong. However, it now appears that it could apply to your Apple Watch and Apple Pay, even if you're going through a, dr- a drive through Drivers could be prosecuted for using Apple Pay and takeaway drive-through services under tough new laws on using mobile phones in a car. Basically, unless you're if you're using your phone and unless your engine is off and the handbrake is on, you are breaking the law. So if you're in a car and your handbrake is on but your engine is also on, yep, you're breaking the law. This also applies to now 
through going through a drive-through era, which surprises me because how would you get pulled over? And is there not a thing where it's private land, or does it come under? I I don't know. I'm not a, a lawyer or anything. It would be. I think that's one of those cases where we're all glad to see the law on muppets using their phones when they're driving tightened up about bloody time you know it really is about time i see people doing it all the time you know me i live and die with a motorola earpiece there's a reason for that if i need to make a call when i'm driving i tap my earpiece i say you know ring my wife siri says which number for your wife i say iphone or home or whatever and i get a call and then i talk and my hands are on the wheel and all the rest that earpiece you know you can buy an earpiece for a tenner probably less than a tenner so why the hell are people still bloody holding their smartphones to their ear well i actually got pulled over a couple of years ago and prosecuted for using my phone while driving but i was using siri and because it was at night i was driving along and i went ahoy hoy telephone Send a message to, I can't remember who it was now, remind me to get honey parsnips. Genuine, genuine text, honey parsnips. The blues and yeah, the lights come on, I get pulled over. Oh, we're pulling you over using your phone. And I go, but I, yeah, okay, I was using my phone, which I shouldn't have really said. But then I said, but I was using it with hands-free mode. And he goes, well, okay, prove it. Prove you were using your phone without your hands. I said, well, I would love to, but... I'm now like for what was it a quarter of a mile down the road where there was no signal or very very weak signal so then of course I'm in this situation where I can't actually defend myself yeah I know however the the thing about using your watch or your phone at a drive through I think that would be a matter of uh That would be a technicality, wouldn't it? You would be technically breaking the law, I suppose. However, I think any copper with any brain cells to rub together would know damn well that that would be a rather counterproductive and stupid way to try and prosecute somebody. I didn't stop them. It was like, uh, that was it. I was was, basically done. There it is. There you know, no defence whatsoever. Oh, I... I, I just see it and I said, hang on, you can't prosecute me because you know your lack of um well, because we had this conversation. I said, I'm not being rude, but you're pros- you're prosecuting me on the back of uh, your knowledge not being up to date in the area of technology. Oh, obviously, I wasn't being that much of an ass. Um and he said it doesn't matter, uh, because I'm not familiar with this technology. That's it. And it was like, oh, great, there we are. So if you're using your Apple Watch or your phone and you're driving, be careful. Uh, especially if you're going through McDonald's, which is going to be brilliant because it means you have to get to the window, turn off, pull the handbrake on, turn off the engine, then to double tap on your watch, stick it out the window and start it all up again. <laughs> First world problems. Yeah, indeed. Very much so. Uh, what have we got next, Alice? So, something completely different. Uh, this is a report from 9to5Mac that EDQ has recently met with Paramount and Sony executive as Apple mulls a transformative acquisition. I'm guessing this is coming back on the back of this whole Planet of the Apps. Have you seen a trailer for that? 
Uh, no, I haven't, to be honest. But from what I've <laughs> I've heard, it sounds like it's a pretty cheesy um, Dragon's Den-esque. Well, it takes the notion of an elevator pitch and makes it more into an escalator pitch because you've only got a certain amount of time before the elevator goes from the top to the bottom. Uh, escalator rolls from the top to the bottom to make your pitch and then you get uh, either a yes or a no or like like you said, Dragon's Den. Interesting style of concept but the main bulk of this story is it seems that all the big players in Apple are going out trying to woo uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, Panasonic and Sony. So you've got uh, Eddie Q is having meetings with people, Jimmy Irvine, and who else is on this list here? Robert Condirk? Druck? I don't know. All going out trying to make offers. If what this 9 to 5 Mac are, this 9 to 5 Mac are, are, uh, let's try this again. <laughs> oh, yeah. This running yeah, malarkey has done me no good whatsoever. Never mind. We'll do that bit again. Uh, also, no. you said Panasonic and you meant Paramount. Oh, we'll keep it in. We'll keep going. The less editing <laughs> I've got to do today, the better. So Robert Kondrick, MEQ, Jimmy Iovine, everyone apparently is trying to be the person to close the deal. And this doesn't sound like a very aptly thing to do. It sounds more like if you had a company and you had salespeople and they were trying to close the deal to get a commission, then this would fit. This doesn't seem the way that this is presented. It's like everyone is trying to say, don't deal with this person, deal with me instead, because I'm better than the other person, which I don't know. It's the first time I've ever heard of this. And it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. I mean, have you had a look at the article? What's your thoughts on this? Um, Yeah, I've, I've had a, a read through. Uh, to be honest, I, I, you're saying it's the first you've heard of it, but actually it's not the first I've heard of it. There were rumblings about uh, previously about Apple talking to Time Warner. There's been rumblings in the past about Apple and Disney. Um, and I think, I think what it boils down to is, um, you know, there's this, there's this big, uh, feeling that Apple are looking to do a Netflix or an Amazon and to start creating a lot of their own content um, to, you know, have what they call original scripted material. Uh, but of course, Apple are not filmmakers or TV uh, program producers. So if they wanted to do that, I guess they need to either strike deals which uh, you know uh, it's been mentioned in the past that apple were trying to strike deals with various cable tv companies and people like hbo and that all of this has come to naught because the content providers you know want to hang on to their uh control of of the material um and i think they're wary of of uh becoming swallowed up by apple um, to some extent. So the other option, of course, is to produce your own material. Um, but if you're going to do that, you need people who can do it. Now, because of the way Apple acquire people, I mean, they do a lot of uh, like fairly small acquihires, as they call them, where they go out and they say, oh, I don't know, um, we need 
we need some specialists in this particular field and they'll go out and they'll find a small technology company, be it a startup or a well-established company, um, but probably a fairly small company with a, a bunch of, you know, highly specialized people in it and they'll, they'll purchase it. Um, which is very much in line with Apple's mantra, isn't it? To Well, that's, that's very much how they've done it. But of course, you know, Uncle Tim has said that, you know, when pe- when the pundits come out, oh, well, Apple should, I don't know, Apple should buy Disney or Apple should take over Time Warner or, you know, Apple should buy out Google or, or some Apple other. should buy out Netflix was another great one. Well, you know, any of these things, any of these things. And then some people will come back and say, oh, Apple won't spend that sort of money, right? Apple won't spend... $10 billion or whatever it is, you know, and Tim Cook has come back and said, you know, there's nothing off the table. If I want to make an acquisition that costs $20, $20 billion, I'll do it. But on the whole, that's not what we normally do. Um, this talk about, you know, buying Paramount and so, I mean, I mean Sony would buy Sony? That doesn't make any sense. Well, Sony wouldn't probably be a vested interest because they've already got like multiple streaming avenues, TV pro, TV shows, uh, not TV shows. They've actually got their own stations. In fact, we even get one of those stations here in the UK, and I can't remember what it's called, but it is Sony owned. Owned, you know. And if you if you go and buy one of the studios, I don't know. Yeah, say Paramount. They're talking about here, but you know, or United Artists or whatever. That, it still doesn't. It doesn't give you a broad enough portfolio, does it? I just, that's not to say, you know, Apple won't do this, but just that just seems a little bit odd to me. I, I guess in the end, you know, something will happen or nothing will happen. Um, there's all this, you know, it all centers around this supposition that Apple want to do uh, an Amazon video and, or a Netflix and produce a load of their own material in order to uh, encourage people to sign up to their service. Uh, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's necessarily so. But only time will tell, really, won't it? Short of, uh, you know, me nipping around and buying Eddie a couple of pints and saying, well, slip me the... Slip me the goss, mate. What's going on? Uh, I'm not going to find out, am I? Uh, it's a, it is a, it's one of those stories. You think, well, where has this come from? Yeah, if how do they know that people like uh, Eddie Q and then uh, Iovine have been going to two different places? Because if they're saying that they're battling off against each other, how do they know? I don't think they'd be battling off against each other at all. I think that would be, uh, I can't see that. I don't, you know, I really don't. Tim Tim Cook has built his team, hasn't he? Yeah, that's around, the key word there, team, isn't it? Uh, he's built his team around a bunch of guys. All right, most of them were already there, but he built his team around guys who could work together. And, you know, we're told that in part that's why... Um. Uh, Scott Forstall, you know, got shoved out. Uh, you know, there was the the the, the, the thing about Apple uh, Maps, where apparently he refused to apologise, and 
there was the fact that he was very much, you know, in the uh, original skewamorphic camp and, uh, you know, Johnny and Tim were much in favour of the new, you know, IO, iOS 10 or 7 plus. Yeah, the know, design flat. language type thing, isn't it? Yeah, the, you know, the flat design. Um, that, you know, or a, a simpler less skewamorphic uh, style. Uh, but I think, you know, the main reason from the things I've read over the years about why Scott ended up getting ousted was apparently he was prickly, he was confrontational, and he was difficult to deal with. And, uh, you know, it, it would appear that part of the reason that he, he stayed at Apple so long was because, uh, you know, Steve, Steve liked him, and uh, he was. Well, I think uh, every company's got that person who's been there for absolutely ages, and they'll never be got rid of because they just have to be friends with the manager. Well, yeah, in this case, I don't. But it, it was a. I think it was partly a case of he may well have been, you know, prickly and confrontational. But then, so sometimes was Steve. So, you know, they maybe they had a, a, a relationship that meant that some yeah you know some things were overlooked perhaps or however the truth is you know when steve was gone um scott i think was probably lined up for the door and he didn't do himself any favors by clashing with tim and allegedly uh, one or two others of the team and uh, effectively painted himself into a corner and got shown the door I know that feeling very, very well. <laughs> I'll chat to you after the show about that one. But, uh, you know, but the whole point is Apple's, you know, uh, top level team are that. They're a team. They work together. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen, I, I've seen, uh, and that's it. They work as a team. You know, a lot of them are best mates. They go around each other's houses for barbecues and all that sort of thing. And so this whole oh, Jimmy Iovine and uh, Eddie Q are, you know, battling against each other to get the best deal just seems like a load of old. Yeah, it's Craig Federighi and Phil Schiller. Yeah, that's the ones. Yeah, apparently, you know, those two are apparently, you know. BFFs for life and all that. Um, and why not? I mean, let's face it. Let's be honest. Despite the fact that they, you know, are very high-powered executives and get, you know, fabulous remuneration, in the end, you know, when you work at a place and you work with a with some guys for a long time, why would they not end up to some extent being your mates? Because, you know, a lot of us spend more time in the office with our work colleagues than we do with our wives. Yep. So, you know, you've, I, you, there's a good chance, isn't there, particularly in a very small team, unless you really dislike somebody, uh, you're going to end up being pretty chummy. That is the way of the world. Again, I'll, uh, I've got many stories about that, which probably aren't suitable for this podcast. <laughs> Not suitable for this time of day. No. Or for an unexplicit detect. And I'm looking forward. It's an, 
Uh, speaking of TV, two things. There's a new episode of Top Gear on today in the UK, which is not the Grand Tour. It's a UK one. So I'm just sort of like thinking, is it too early to have a glass of wine? I might do next. I'm going to do next week's show with a glass of wine. And secondly, this brings us on to another story where those dang Americans. Uh, we, I lived the dream of cord cutting. In fact, the only time this week I've had the TV on was to watch the darts because it's the mind head open uh, here in the UK. And that's the only time I have fired up my TV because Netflix does seem to be doing a decent job, although it's becoming a little bit overrun with Netflix originals that aren't sort of grabbing me. That's just me. I'm still wishing and we're all wishing that Amazon will one day have an Amazon TV app where you can actually watch things on a big screen without having to use their stick. Sorry, well, you can probably hear the, ch- the chair croaking yeah. away in the background there. But I'll have to say, um, I I wish that as well, because obviously I have Amazon, and Amazon have some really good content. They have some really, really good content. But obviously you can't get it direct through your Apple TV. However, I find, uh, in my case, the best way to get Amazon TV onto my big screen is to uh, use my iPhone and then airplay it to the Apple TV. And that works much better from my phone than from my laptop. If I do it from the laptop, I tend to get, uh, you know, stuttering. Um, I don't know if that's because my laptop's older or because when it downloads stuff to my laptop, it sends a higher resolution copy. I don't know. But it streams flawlessly from my iPhone to my Apple TV. So if I want to uh, watch Amazon, that's how I do it. I'm exactly the same. But it's those dang Americans leading the way yet again because YouTube have launched its own streaming TV service. Now, we have got something a little bit similar here in the shape of Now TV, but this one seems to be quite a a bit of a daddy of a package. You've got ABC, CBS, Fox and NBC, roughly 35 cable channels for $35 a month. That doesn't appear to be too bad on the first glance, but that's probably a little bit more expensive than what we would get over here with our standard satellite package from Sky. I'm trying to think what well, I don't know what the package would be called these days. But the family it's, package, is it? Or the entertainment package? But Sky is due to drop their... Um, they're due to drop their app next year where literally you will be able to get the entirety of Sky via an Apple TV or an app or another box, hopefully next year so you won't have to have a satellite dish but i just find things like this very interesting that it's see interesting in the sense that they're still bundling packages together so what happens if you don't want fox and you just want abc well you can't just have that so we're still stuck in this thing of they're taking the traditional model of bundling things together but they're just shoving it through an internet connection uh, and let's just hope that people that have these internet connections have got unlimited because I know of several people who haven't got unlimited broadband and they were quite surprised <laughs> when their bill uh, came through. Uh, yeah, you, you. well, that depends on your provider. I have to admit that when I first uh, joined uh, Plusnet, 
uh, that wasn't unlimited. Uh, but they would send me, uh, you know, an email or a, or a text saying you're nearing your cap. Um, and then you could say, oh, well, I'll, I'll spend another fiver to top it up. Yeah. But, uh, and obviously that depends on your provider. Some some providers, I guess, just say, there's your cap. Uh, you've blown through your cap. Bad luck, mate. Oh, and here's a huge stonking bill for over overrun. I've just been doing some more research. And yes, there is a DVR-style recording for your favourite shows with unlimited space in Google's cloud. And apparently the ability to skip over ads. I... Don't see that feature making it to the end if this is just a beta sort of testy demonstration. No but you can skip over the ads. You can skip over the ads. Well, Blimey. they might do that five-second thing, you know, where you watch an advert. will be having an apoplexy. I, again, YouTube has taken a big hit in my life at the moment. I seem to be just tuning into YouTube on the Apple TV, even though the interface isn't the best. I'm watching a hell of a lot more of uh, YouTube than probably I ever have before. And it's and it's the closest I think I've ever got to customising my own TV experience. Because you go out, you find someone, you subscribe. Uh, the 8-bit guy, I love the work that he does, where he basically rips things down or show you how things work. And it was the other night, and I had a bout of insomnia, and was trying desperately to get to sleep. But I was riveted by the fact that in back in the oldie days, you used to be able to get a camcorder that would record video onto a cassette tape. Yeah, then granted, the quality was shockingly bad, but when you see how it works and how it all gets ripped, ripped apart in the technology behind stuff back then, you just can't help but get addicted to it. <laughs> well, I, I have to admit, I'm not a big you. I'm not a big YouTube watcher. That said, uh, you know, my kids use YouTube all the time. Uh, my boy watches endless shows on YouTube. So uh, maybe it is the future. One fact, day. It probably is the future. Yeah. I'll be honest. It's just that I'm a crusty old geezer being left behind. One day I will finally get around to posting my review of set of, set of headphones. <laughs> <laughs> The, re the reason I'm laughing is because I thought in my head this was going to be fairly simple. I thought, how long, how hard can it be? And it was something like four hours for maybe three and a bit minutes of video. So I might actually put that up on the Essential Apple YouTube video as this is what could have happened. <laughs> and I'll tell, tell you what, Mark, uh, talking of feeling, you know, uh, like a crusty old geezer longing for uh, the days gone by. What about uh, the fact that AIM is apparently cutting its uh, access for third party apps? Oh, no. Next story. <laughs> when, he said crust, <laughs> when he said crusty old geezer, I thought, are we dropping into Nemo's hardware store already? No, that's a bit naughty. No. <laughs> Um, it, this is a very much like we're AOL and we want to be more like Twitter and restrict third-party uh, APIs. I mean, uh, apparently, it looks like AOL will soon cut off third-party access to its famous instant messenger service, which apparently turns 20 years old this year. Um, well, you know... Does anyone, does anyone actually out there still use? Well, 
I've no idea. I mean, um, quite rightly, the guy who wrote this article at Gizmodo points out that um, Adium users at least got a brief warning when they signed in on Wednesday morning, explaining their AIM access had less than a month to live. Um, so far, it's unclear if and when other third-party messaging services such as Pigeon and Trillion, etc., will notify their users. However, Ars Technica spoke to a former AOL employee who said that the company was shutting down its chat protocol since the number of users had fallen to single-digit millions. Oh, no. And and that maintaining Oscar had become prohibitively expensive. Um, Apparently, the the service will remain on life support through AOL's standalone apps for Mac OS and Windows and mobile apps. But... The truth is, as uh, this guy is quite right, the the main reason that AIM is probably still alive at all is that apps like Adium and Trillium and uh, what was the other one you just mentioned there? Uh, Pigeon, yeah, and and various others, uh, you know, aggregators, as I've we've talked about in the past, um, allowed you to have you know aim msn icq blah 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 uh all together um in a in one app well if you're gonna slice off the access of those apps i can assure you that the AIM will just never mind single digit millions. It'll be down to single digits. Well, I've just been having a look at a link from that story. And apparently AIM is unofficially dead slash updated also on Gizmodo, where back in 2012, they sacked off all of their, um, their AIM staff. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, it's, it's a, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm surprised that it's not dead already. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing there because uh, <laughs> but there's a paragraph here. So through AIM, we learn the value of away messages and the dangers of ASL. Oh, geez, that takes me back to when I had a, a, a AIM messenger. And that's all you would get would, would be ASL, age, sex, location. Oh, jeez. But that is, you know, I guess it's, it's, it seems like a sad thing. You think, oh, because we all have, those of us of a certain age have fairly fond memories of, you know, MSN and AIM because they were the Twitter, you know, and the, that was the social life of my teenage years was having MSN and all that sort well, of exactly. stuff. That that was the internet of the time. Um, so we feel sad if we hear that it's going to die. But the truth is... All things come to an nostalgia. end. It's just nostalgia. You know, would you... If, if somebody said to you, oh, you can hit me up on AIM, you'd probably just laugh. You'd say, what? Get out of the 90s. Don't you have Twitter or Slack or Wire or... Or Kick or Snapchat or... You know, any of the modern ones. Any of the modern ones. Um, The other week you mentioned that all-in-one messaging app thing. Did you get any further forward with that? Did you get to have a try with it? uh, uh, Frans. It was called Frans. Was that that a flash-in-the-pan thing or did you actually... Well, I just... 
was interested in i haven't really i installed some stuff into it but um the interface is a little bit clunky um and i I don't know i just probably don't feel the need for it to be honest it would i'm still i might still press ahead with it um but it doesn't again like so many of these things it's almost there it's almost there but then you find there's one service you want to add and it doesn't support that and so the whole thing starts to fall apart doesn't it if you if you've got to use frans for you know uh whatsapp and wire and something else yeah there's always one missing but app if it, and doesn't, in, if it doesn't support uh, i don't know that one other app then that's it or it's signal or something then the whole the whole concept starts to break down because if you've got to use multiple apps well what the hell why not just have all of them open anyway yeah, it's I I used to have this thing where it's like, oh great, so you're on MS, you're on Skype, but I'm not on Skype, but you're on Slack, and I, um, I'm on Slack, but you're not, and now I'm in Quip, and you're not, and it it used to really annoy me the fact that there were so many people on so many different platforms, and I almost wished for just to have those days back of Microsoft Messenger or MSN Messenger back in the day, but then it sort of hit me that right now that's a good thing because. I can separate my work. So if I'm in the Slack room and I'm talking to you or working on another project, that's my little silo. That's where all of that chat stays and it's that focus. It's, and that's where I'm trying to tell people in work, you know, let's give Slack a try, but I don't think that's going to happen because it just silos things off. It's like in Quip. If I know that if we're discussing something in Quip, I know that between us and John and you know, Carl for the Mac and Forth show and everyone else, we're going to be discussing things on topic in there pretty much. And of course, we've got the Essential Apple Slack room, which is just randomness personified. And thank you for everyone who's uh, joined in. If you do want an invite, just tweet at Essential Apple or send a tweet to at Serenac and we will get you an invitation. So I've gone like a complete 360. I really enjoy the fact that I do have all these different mechanisms to try because in, in a way it just helps me organize my life. It's, is that something that you share or do you wish to have like, you know, go back to the good old days of one chat to rule them all? Uh, no, I actually, like you, I find, um, I find that I quite like using a whole bunch of, of different, uh, methods so you know i've got like you say i mean we've got the slack room um which obviously focuses mostly around you know essential apple slash podcasting slash anything else and anything else and of course you know just general stuff that guys and girls come across and throw in there you know links and jokes and whatever else um and then we've got Quip, which we use, obviously, you know, mostly for uh, show notes and other, you know, website articles and things where we can collaborate on editing those. Um, and that, like you say, that kind of silos that off. So that's, you know, that's kind of website and podcast editing stuff. And then uh, Slack is just more general. And then I've got Skype, you know, for a lot of my personal contacts. Uh, we've now obviously we're using wire um 
with using wire for the podcast i have to admit i'd really like to use wire for a lot more things but at the moment it's just a matter of convincing people to let go of skype yep i mean uh, i've just now in the first time in probably 20 hours of usage i had my first probably one second audio glitch so and i know with skype and i know it's very you know people like it but i'm again in fact, I'm even wearing my wire T-shirt, which again, funny, I'm going to... Funny you should say that. I'm wearing my grey uh, wire T-shirt with the little wire bot on the front. And if you are, lis- and if you are listening, go and do a tweet to at wire saying you heard us on the Essential Apple show. And uh, in fact, I might have an idea for a very tacky giveaway. This will be the tackiest giveaway in the history of podcasts. We'll do that next week. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, this actually brings us nicely on to our next story about, well, the iPhone 6 is making a comeback. Yes, that veritable powerhouse that I've only just got rid of mine is coming back. Not only is it coming back, but it's also coming coming back in a gold edition. The 32 gigabyte limited edition is going to be released by mobile telecom operator Taiwan Mobile. It began taking pre-orders for a limited gold color iPhone 6 32 gig to be launched in the Taiwan market in on March the 10th according to TWM. Interesting. Obviously someone in Apple has uh, suddenly discovered a bit of stash of the old iPhone 6. I thought, ah, right, now's the time to uh, get these out the door. Hmm, interesting. It's still a very... In selected markets. Yeah, it's kind of the way of saying, this is going to be uh, cheap, but it's not good. That doesn't even make sense, because the iPhone 6, why... 32 gig isn't a lot, but then again, we we don't know the Taiwan market. But then to make it gold, it's not exactly good, and make it a cheap phone... Well, I mean, the gold, I mean, they, they, there's no premium, is there, to have gold or rose gold or uh, get over space grey or silver? No, or, that's true. That's true. So, and I think gold. Uh, you know, we keep being told that the Chinese, the Asian market, you know, have a particular like for um, gold phones. Um, I believe it's you know, gold. Gold is associated not only with uh, you know, gold and uh, good fortune, um, but a whole, you know, it has a whole kind of cultural uh, good feeling about it, I believe. And that, uh, you know, whereas in the West, a lot of us like our phones to be black or, you know, techy looking, don't we? We like them to be black or silver and uh technical looking but uh in asia i think they they have a a great liking for gold and the rose gold ones so you know uh yeah slightly i guess the the, i think the main point almost certainly mark is uh to offer a lower cost alternative i love gold (laughs) i've been dying to find that same clip when, well, on when we, well on cue. I know this should have. Yeah, should have. Yeah, another seamless production, and I've also got this one as well, <laughs> which I know Mr. Madden will be throwing his fists up in the air, saying, "That's my same board." 
Sorry, Carl. Everybody's, everybody's got that one, though, haven't they? Well, let, let's hope the audio normalisation works. Well, Ted, this makes a very good spot where we can go over to Mr. Nemo and his hardware store, because funnily enough, this seamlessly ties in with a couple of his recommendations. So, John... Well, it does, yes, but before we let him go, uh, John has asked me to tell you all that uh, because he hasn't made a recording since before Christmas due to... Uh, the difficulties that we had over Christmas. Uh, when he made this recording, he forgot to check which way round his microphone was, and apparently he was speaking into the back of the microphone, and hence uh, it's a little bit echoey. So uh, I did some cleaning up, and uh, John has approved this version for transmission, uh, but he apologises for being a Muppet and promises that he will do better next time. So let's roll John's Nemo. Uh, hardware store. The clever people at iClever, that's I-C-L-E-V-E-R, and we are using their Amazon page, so follow our affiliate link and make sure you check out the links on our show notes for the UK, in addition to the USA material I'm describing. iClever has several items we recommend very much, including a speaker that we reviewed recently. A couple of weeks ago, I purchased a bunch of wall chargers, two, three, and four port wall chargers from iClever. And then a couple of days after that, the company sent me some items for review. The first one is called the Boost Cube, B-O-O-S-T-C-U-B-E, Boost Cube Dual Port USB Wall Charger, model IC dash WB21W. It's a small 2 USB 1 AC plug for charging up your USB devices. And it goes in your pocket, goes in your purse, goes in your tote bag, and gives you full power for both devices. But they make them for 2, 3, 4, every different capacity of USB output that you want. And then they sent the iClever Boost Strip, B-O-O-S-T-S-T-R-I-P, model IC-BS01. The prices of the iClever stuff is incredibly reasonable. For instance, that little Boost Cube that I was talking about is only $11 in the U.S., so I'm sure it's not much more than that in the U.K. or wherever you happen to be listening. And the price of the mini... Let's listen to its full name. <laughs> Mini Design for Travel, iClever Boost Strip, ICBS01 Portable Smart Power Strip, USB Charger, 4320 Joules Surge Protector with 2 AC Outlet, 4 USB Port, 5 Foot Extension Cord for Indoor and Outdoor, comma, White. Anyway, this is only $22 in the U.S. and it's exactly what I just described. It's a little tiny brick. It's about one inch by three inches that has two AC ports on the top and it has four USB ports, full ports on the side and an on-off switch on the top. Very straightforward, but it's really wonderful not only to be able to have that little two-way USB port with the AC that I described first, but for more serious travel or even for your home office to have the two ACs on the top and the four USBs on this side. The reviews for the 24-watt 
dual USB travel wall charger with Smart ID technology and the foldable plug, there are 10,188 customer reviews. That is a lot of reviews for something to be receiving four and a half stars. Comes in white, comes in black, four-way USB output with the two AC plugs on the top. That comes only in white. So excellent pricing, good quality, well done, iClever. Thanks for listening. Loads more stuff to get caught up on the groaning shelves here in Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. Cheers, John, once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. Now, looking at the notes here, the mini design for Travel Charger Boost Strip IC-BS01 Deep Breath Time Portable Smart Power Strip slash USB Charger, comma, why did I say comma? You can tell I'll be doing dictation this week. 4320 dual surge protector with two AC outlet, four USB ports, five extension cord for indoor and outdoor in white, We'll set you back $22.99, not available in the UK. You've got the iClever Boost Cube 4.8 amps, 24 watts, dual USB wall travel charger with Smart ID technology. No idea what that is. Foldable plug for iPhone, iPad, Samsung, Galaxy, HTC, Nexus, Moto, Blackberry. Bluetooth speaker, headset and power bank in white for $10.99. I love those Amazon descriptions where they just put bait into them. Just so snappy, isn't it? Uh, When actually, what is it? It's a travel plug to USB output charger. Which is all you need. And again, that's $10.99 and also not available in the UK. But we'll go and see if there are some other bits and bobs I can find to plug that gap. I think you'll find that I, I clever have uh, a fairly good selection of items. Uh, I'm not sure all of them are available in the UK. For example, the the travel wall charger quite obviously is not available in the UK because it wouldn't be any good to us because it's uh, like a wall charger, but it has foldable fold-in prongs, um, which is very nice, but obviously... If you were to use that here, you'd have to have another travel plug to tra- plug your American two-pin plug into, which would kind of defeat the object, wouldn't it? It still scares me, the fact you plug the, the two-pin plugs in America just scare, and Europe just scare the living bejesus out of me. It's like, because <laughs> you don't, you can put it in one way and the other way, and you just think, no, I, I, yes, admittedly, I'm very ignorant of how it works, but it just scares the living Jesus out of me. Uh, And of course, you'll find all these products via Amazon, where we have a handy-dandy Amazon link. And if you go to Amazon via our link, we get a very, very small amount of kickback from Amazon. We get a small amount of commission. I'm not going to lie, it is small, but... It really, really does help. It's helping to cover the uh, the new podcasting host, which hopefully we're going to go to. It's going into buying cables where I could plug my iPad into my mixer, which is what I bought the other day, only to realise I'd bought the wrong one. However, I had used my Amazon affiliate link. Well, actually, no, I didn't, because I can get told off for that. But we'll skip over that. So, yeah, if you do go to Amazon, if you do shop at Amazon, wherever you are in the world, the links that I use for the show are geolocational aware. So if you're in America, you click the link, it'll take you to your store. France, Canada, UK, click on our link, and it takes you to that very place. And also, a huge, huge uh, shout-out to our Patreon subscribers. We love you. We really do. And if you subscribe to us via Patreon, 
we will sing you a song. And if I had it queued up, I would do the example, but I might have to find that in the post. <laughs> well, we could always send them the one of Carl uh, singing the uh, Trump Apocalypse song. I've not heard that one. Did you not hear Carl sing the Trump Apocalypse song on my Mac? Oh, dear, oh, dear. The last time I heard... Oh, blimey, there was... Sorry, I just pressed the space button on my... Uh... On the file, then it just blasted my ears off. The last time I heard Carl sing was his "Duty Free" song, which, if I could find that one, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, what else we got in the news? I don't even know how long we've been going for because my recording times are completely off today. Uh, what have we got here? So Google are going to call time on the Pixel laptop. The so-called MacBook killer, the very, very premium-priced Google competitor, is dead. In a small meeting with journalists at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Google Senior Vice President for Hardware Rick Osterloh dropped a bit of news saying that it looks like the Pixel laptop, Google's premium Chromebook, and the original product bearing the Pixel name is going to be dead just after two iterations. Uh, now, you've put a note here saying that to you, the Chrome OS is a spiritual child of the netbook fad. The idea of paying MacBook Air prices for a net browser-based machine seems like an obvious fail. I, I've got to agree with you on that one. It's Yes, having really nice design hardware is great, but it's the equivalent of when you've got an iPhone with no data. It just becomes an expensive thing to look at. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, you know, I just got the whole feeling that the, the Chrome OS, which is, you know, which is popular and, and is doing quite well. Pe- people like Chromebooks. A lot of people seem to like Chromebooks. But, of course, one of the things that people are drawn to in the, with the Chromebooks is the cheapness. You know, you can go and buy yourself a Chrome a Chromebook for sub £200, you know, and certainly sub £300. Um, and you know, I, it's very much to me the the spiritual successor to the netbook. You know, I mean, one one year the netbook was the thing that everybody had to have. Oh, guy hated them, and then and then it was dead. You know, oh, they're rubbish. Well, actually, I I suppose the fact that a lot of people thought they might be you know small cheap laptops, and I mean, some of them were. Some were better than others. Um. But well, well, I'm sort of wondering if this is anything to do with uh, pulling back a little bit because to concentrate on what they're well, not what they're good at because the Pixel was a very good machine, horrifically expensive for, and you can say this about the Mac as well for what it does. But now Microsoft are getting into this Windows cloud, which looks like it's going to be an answer to Chrome OS. You may want to think of that. Are they pulling back on this just so they can focus more, you know, double down on Chrome OS? Um, maybe, maybe. I just, th- I just think the real, the truth of it is that the Chrome OS is successful. People like Chromebooks because they're cheap. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, paying top whack premium prices for a Pixel Chromebook, uh, it just struck me as very much what for the rich and the show-offs yeah but that's uh you can level that argument at the people who buy some of the mac range as well really but at least yeah i know controversial 
Well, no, but you know, I'm just saying. You, you regardless, you know, you, you, you're kind of in between a rock and a hard place, aren't you? If you're an Apple Mac fan slash user, because the Apple range is what it is. It's premium kit, and that's the price. And if you don't like it, hard luck. But you know, with the with the Pixel Chromebook, you know that was MacBook Air money. And as I'm saying, you can go online, Amazon or uh, eBuyer.com or whatever, and pick up a perfectly good Chromebook for you know 250 notes. So no, I just it just struck me as a, as a dead loss. Really, I'm surprised that it made two iterations. To be honest, it's always struck me as one of those things that. I'd like to, I, I would never recommend it, but it's one of those things that if I had the opportunity to use one, I'd like just to have a bit of a tinker with one to see what it's like to use. I mean, I could, I could see its advantage. You know, it's technically, it's an iPad-y style thing with a keyboard and I can hear people shouting at me now saying it's nothing like that at all. But you're right, it's, I don't, without, it, it wouldn't be something that I would buy, but it would be something that I'd go, you know what? I'll have a go with it, I'll have a play with it, and I could pretty much or almost guarantee the fact that uh, I'd be coming back to my Mac pretty darn sharpish after a while. But the, you see, Mark, you're not, you and me are not really the target audience, are we? No. You know, the, the, the Chromebook is much like, you know, your iPads, is pitched very much at the people who spend a lot of their time online but what are they doing online they're doing their email they're doing their facebook they're doing their twitter yeah they're doing their general fairly you know let's be honest fairly lightweight web stuff and the the whole idea as far as i can see of the chromebook was to say let's strip away all this other operating system gunk right? All this ability to run Microsoft products or Adobe products. What we're building is effectively a a thin client for the web. I would actually like to use it in when I try and do my famous, I'm going to only use my iPad for a week tests and see how it would work like as a sort of ipad replacement so i I think you know i I think for a lot of people it's probably a very viable uh setup you know why why for years and years did everybody have a pc at home um because they wanted to get on the net you know um and and laptops you know for a long time were shockingly expensive um, you know, in comparison, well, they still are, I suppose, but, you know, you can get yourself a perfectly good laptop for sensible money. You don't have to, you know, pay premium prices, do you? No, but if you do get an older style laptop, as he looks yeah. around the room at his Toshiba i3, which <laughs> if, <laughs> if you do get an older laptop, just save yourself all the hassle, all the bother and go and get an SSD. You will thank your sanity, your patience. And you'll get some of your life back. And then yeah. shove a nice little, if it's got a USB 3, shove a nice little USB 3 hard drive on the side of it, and you'll be happy as Larry. Yeah. So there we go. I think that was, you know, that 
sums it up really that you know i think the chrome os is probably all right i've never used it i think it's probably uh it's it's more of a competitor to the ipad i think than it's a competitor to most people's laptops um and i think for a lot of people it's a very viable option but yeah i i just can't i could never see why you'd want to go and spend a thousand pounds on a on a pixel to do that no well true but funnily enough in yet another seamless style link uh, this can lead us on to our final story for those of you that have a macbook and you've a certain penchant for a marvel uh, hero you can get an iron man suit for your macbook well yeah let's uh i think that's uh more of a <laughs> It says I Iron Man. I needed a link. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah. I suppose if they wanted to really, although they'd probably get in trouble with Marvel, wouldn't they? If they actually did that uh, and made it all red and yellow, that would be. Although that would be rather slick, wouldn't it? No, the um, the accessory maker Yando uh, have created this. Uh, uh, Thing? Well, what would be a thing? I guess, yeah. Well, jacket, I suppose. Um, it's a it's a, a case, really, for uh, your laptop. It's um, like one of those shockproof, dropproof cases. Um, well, it, it, the main thing is, of course, is that it's it it's it's an exoskeleton, I guess. That's what they're calling it. An exoskeleton for MacBook. Uh, yeah, so basically for what I'm seeing here, it's if you've got a MacBook, uh, it doesn't say what generation of MacBook, of the 2015 MacBook Retina with how slim and small they are. Oh, is it a Mac? Yeah, MacBook Retina. Basically, it's like a little plastic tray that you drop your Mac into and it covers the complete bottom of it. But for that, you get other really nice little features like Bluetooth, uh, speakers, you get a card reader. What is it you get here? Uh, the boost case is an accessory that envelopes a 12 inch MacBook Retina in a shell with an array of ports that include USB 2.0, 3, uh, sorry, USB 3.0. Oh, this is another one of those stories where it's a blinking PR piece where they commas are in the wrong place. Let's try this again. The boost case is an accessory that envelopes the 12-inch MacBook Retina in a shell providing an array of ports that include USB 2.0 and 3.0, USB Type-C, mini HDMI, and two flash memory card readers. It also features an extra battery pack whilst keeping a relatively low profile. The back is made out of black plastic and it seems a little bit dark and heavy by MacBook standards, although the lid does complement your MacBook. So basically, it's it seems quite handy. The price tag of this is $129, which is a little high for this, but one's going to consider the extra battery extending the life of a 12-inch MacBook Retina well past the advertised 12 hours. And of course... There is a link in the show notes. It doesn't say how it actually connects through to give you a card reader. And looking at the card reader, the image there sort of... It doesn't seem like it protrudes out far. Oh, it's going under... It looks... Ah, I can see how to do it. It's going underneath it. So it's like um, where the card reader would go on the right-hand side of a Mac, you plug it in and it actually goes underneath it a little bit. And again... 
that will be in the show notes. I mean, it, you know, it's in effect what you've got is a couple of uh, mini docks, haven't you, attached to uh, a shell. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, it's a, you've got a MacBook hard case um, and a couple of uh, mini docks which connect to the USB-C. Um, and Solving you, all of those problems. And if you, if like, you like me... That sort of thing, yeah. then, you know, if you like that sort of thing, it could be very nice. I have to say it's... I would describe it as neither the prettiest nor the ugliest uh, of such things I've seen. It's one of those products that has quite a bit of potential. If only it didn't look as hideous as it... Well, I'm not going to say hideous, but... You can tell it's one of those things where it's made in a country where perhaps their design aesthetic isn't always on point, shall we say? I mean, if you need such a thing, I I, I think actually based on the fact that it contains a battery which will give you a 50% boost, you know, $129 does not seem excessive to me. I mean, they're saying in that article they think it's a bit steep. I don't, I don't think it is a bit steep. I think that's actually uh, perfectly reasonable for a product of that type. Them batches are never cheap, and plus it's an Apple accessory, so it's never going to be cheap, is it? And uh, you know, yeah, looking at the thing there, it's bearable. It's you know, it's not uh, not that ugly. Maybe it's not the, as I say, not the prettiest thing I've ever seen. But in the end, if you need, you know, a USB two, USB three, USB C, and card readers, then I think that's probably a perfectly valid solution. So, yeah, I think now, yeah, I agree. I think we're, oh, blimey, I don't know how long we've gone now, but let's move on to this week's obsessions. Now, if you're like me and you're like to be social, but sometimes you don't want to be anti, you want to be antisocial, but when you go to a pub, you have that horrible niggling thing you have to do that once your cup has run dry, it's the long walk. From your chair, and if you get up from the chair, and if you're on your own, or someone's gone to the bathroom, it may not be there when you get back. Got to walk all the way up to the bar, wait in a queue, get your drink, pay for it, trudge all the way back, and hope that some blithering idiot doesn't bump into you and spill it all over. And so you have to repeat the whole process. Or maybe you just don't want to talk to people. Well, good news: if you go to Weatherspoons, you can now order your drinks and your food to be delivered to the table that you're sitting at. Yes, the last bastion of being social has now been made into an app and I haven't used it yet because I would feel so cringeworthy of ordering a pint of shipyard to be delivered <laughs> to table 43. But yes, you can actually or you can actually go to the pub, sit at a table, fire up the app but order your food, order your drink, pay via Apple Pay, and it will be delivered to your table. Now, I can see this being quite handy uh, when it's busy, but then, oh, I don't know. This is, it just feels a bit, it just feels wrong. <laughs> However, if it, but you can also use this to your advantage, because if, for example, you say go to a pub and it just happens to be a rather nice waitress that you've been trying to speak to for a couple of weeks, you could use it for that. Not that, I, not that I'm either condoning or condemning such action, but oh, I was trying to talk to the people in Weatherspoons about this, and they're like, yeah, it's sort of killing that last aspect. And yeah, fair play. You know, they walk 
a lot of steps. I think one of the managers there was saying that she walks about 14,000 steps, which is the equivalent of a good few miles. A lot, a good, good few miles, day in, day out. Um, so obviously I haven't got her on my Strava because she'd just be kicking my ass. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I've, in fact, if well, when is it? If I go on curry night, I might try and come back with a report from the pub. It'd be something that even Carl would be slightly proud of. In fact, Carl, <laughs> if you're out there and you're listening, you want to give us a bit of feedback and record a bit of audio, let me know what your thoughts are on this. I should think that uh, the feedback from Carl would be, I wouldn't be seen dead in a Weatherspoons pub. That is true. He has those fancy Dan German pubs that serve decent beer in a mass, not a stein. <laughs> don't, don't go there. Don't uh, go there. And finally, what's the what's the next app, uh, app session we've got this week, right. Simon? Uh, yeah, well, this is not so much an app session as uh, something I came across Uh Apparently, VisiWig, the premium iOS video editor and movie making application, are offering their older version, the 2014 released version, which was uh, $20, uh, for free. The current version, for what it's worth, is available for $99. Um, I guess this is possibly a bit of a lost leader, so that they're saying, you know, try uh, VisiWig for free um you know and the older version and then what they'll say to you is of course you know wouldn't you like to upgrade to the latest version this is not an app for those of you who have an aversion to skeuomorphic design because this although it was released in 2014 this version the icons look like they were from a period way way before that and of course this is basically a free giveaway because the new 27 2017 version is a whopping $99. And just looking at the review now, and it says, if white screen on first launch, please force quit VisiWig and restart the app. This version has been tested and works well on every iOS device and iOS version from iPhone 7 Plus with iOS 10.3 down to iPhone 3GS with iOS 4.3 and even original iPad 1 as remote camera stage preview for multi-cameras. Oh, Lord. Try that one. So, oh, that might be interesting if you could do multi-stage camera. So well, I might give that a go. It's available for free. How long it will be free for, I can't say, but it is currently available for free. So oh, if you're into video making and editing on your iOS device, uh, it might well be worth a look. And you know what? I think on that note, we've got a show there. I think that'll do us for this week. So again, Simon, thank you very much for coming on the show this week. If they want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Well, of course, the best way to get hold of me, Mark, is to use my at Serenac on Twister, uh, Twitter, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, of course, we are also on Google+, and we have the Slack. Uh, anybody who wants to... Join us in the Slack. Should just uh, get in touch, and we'll get you an invite. Oh, that reminds uh, me. Um, if Pitchforks is out there, did you get your invite? Let me know. Uh, I'm catching up on all my tweety type things. <laughs> we also, uh, of course, do have a Facebook page, which uh, I haven't visited because I don't do Facebook. But apparently, Mark's going to give me a login so that I can visit that and uh, 
post various bits and pieces on there as well as on Google Plus and Twitter and website and everywhere else. And uh, that's about it, I suppose. Excellent. Cheers, Simon, once again for coming on the show. If you want to get a hold of me, the voice behind this nonsense, you can get hold of me at Ocean Speed on the Twitter. If you want to follow the website, so when we post a new show, when we post an article, review, and hopefully we've got some things coming up on the back burner, that's at Essential Apple on Twitter. We are available on iTunes, Opinion, Overcast, Google Play, Direct Download, RSS, Fireside.fm for now simple cast for the next 14 days and any other place we can share this nonsense and we would love to hear back from you we haven't had in fact where is it i'm gonna try this now he says <laughs> trying to fill time there it is it's I've got no idea what's going to sound like with me mucking around with the ducking, but we've had no feedback from anyone in forever. So if you want to be the person that breaks that duck, who reaches out to us and says, you know what, chaps, you're doing something. It doesn't have to be good. Go and leave us a review on the iTunes store because it's getting a bit lonely. It's getting a bit cold in there. Uh, and of course, if you use Overcast, click on the recommend button. Not that we're going to get anywhere, but you know, you never know. And so, until next time, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for letting our nonsense take up your precious space on your storage device. And we will see you next week. Indeed, we will, Mark. And uh, I'd just like to say thank you once again to Wire, who provide us with this lovely uh, platform. Yes, a big, big thank out to them because even with my creaky ageing kit and my internet connection that seems to be from the 1980s, we've been relatively rock solid. Cheerio, everyone! Cheerio! Hi, I'm Bart Bouchard, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000-foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Oh. oh, by the way, if you're quite good at cooking, if you were cooking duck in a slow cooker, the recipe says fry the duck for 10 minutes skin side down to render the fat then cover with corn flour, put in the slow cooker and do everything else. Would you actually take the fat off once it's been sealed or seared or fried or whatever well, it is? What, what, what you're doing there, right, because duck is, is quite fatty and the fat is under the skin. Because right? obviously being water birds, they have a layer of fat under their skin to help insulate them. The same way seals and whatnot have blubber. Right. When you when you cook it skin side down in the pan, you want to put it in the pan and press and press on it as well with the press on it with your spatula to try and what you can you're trying to do two things. One, you want to make the the skin slightly cooked and crispy, but the other thing you're doing is driving the fat out. It will come out from you know from the skin and get into the pan. Then you drain the drain the meat off because otherwise if you're going to put it in the slow cooker and cook it that way it will render down a the, the meat will be fatty 
and also what renders out of it will go into the sauce and you know you, you'll have a very oily gravy right so then should i then we'll probably put this in in the after show section should i then uh near the end take the duck legs out rip off the fat sort of shred the meat a bit and then just put it back in for a small while would that be well, you, uh... could, you, you could do that if you wanted you could do that if you wanted there we are cooking on the essential let's see any other tech podcast go into such <laughs> nonsense as this <laughs> you could do that 